0: Hey, Coffee Breakers, this is just a warning to let you know that this episode contains adult content and may be disturbing to some listeners. Please take caution and listener discretion is advised. Hey, Coffee Breakers, I'm AC. And I'm Scully. And today we are going to continue Suzanne Savickas's story. We left off last week with Suzanne, known as Sharon Marshall at the time, working at Mons Venus and bearing her soul to Heather, one of the club's managers, telling her about her life with Franklin, Warren Marshall, and how she couldn't leave because he had a hold on Michael and wouldn't let him out of his sight. Yeah. In the summer of... So that's where we left off, so I'm going to pick up and... Things kind of get confusing here for a second because of the book. So, In a Beautiful Child by Matthew Burback and Finding Sharon um, is my sources for this information going forward. It's a little wonky, okay? So, in one book, it lists Michael's birthday in 1987, which is what I reported on last week. Okay. In the next book, what's confirmed... Is he was born in 1988. Okay, so everything that I said last week actually occurred in 1988. What, like at Mons Venus? All at of Mons that? Venus, okay. all that happened in 1988, okay. and she was also there in 1987, but she didn't actually give birth until 88. Until 88. Okay, What's well, not?
1: That's easy to follow.
0: Yeah, but I just want to throw that out there. Okay. Okay, so in 1988, Suzanne gave birth to Michael, and that's also when she made her last contact with Jennifer Fisher. Okay. In May of 1988, Suzanne sent Jennifer a card congratulating her on her high school graduation. Okay. Suzanne sent. Suzanne sent Jenny. Okay.
1: Is she that much older than? Because didn't Suzanne She's two
0: years older? Okay. She's two years older. The card was postmarked from Florida, but didn't have a return address. Mm. Okay. In June of 1988, Jennifer received a two-page letter from Suzanne. Suzanne detailed her life to Jennifer, stating that she was working at a bar and that her father had retired from painting permanently because he fell off a ladder. She reported that she had met some famous musicians. I think uh, Metallica was one. Yeah, Heather
1: went on and on about how they had all kinds of people coming. in. In the screen. documentary, yeah. Like, it was the it it place. place. Yeah. Yeah. A few months later, Suzanne would call
0: Jennifer and report that she had a six-month-old son. Mm. And she would speak to Suzanne, and Jenny would speak to Suzanne one more time by phone before Suzanne was lost to Jennifer forever. So all that happened in
1: 1988. Wow. In November. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just have an issue with that, because, like, it seems like, oh, I know that... Jenny, Jenny wouldn't have the availability to be able to message her the same way that she did. Oh, yeah. But it's still the fact that
0: no, she did try to find her multiple times. But that was the last time she ever talked to her.
1: Yeah, it's just that Sharon or Suzanne kept yeah. up, like even despite all the things she's going through, still send her a congratulation on graduating. Still remembered, yeah, like
0: yeah, it really speaks to Suzanne's character. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In November of 1988, Franklin, Suzanne, and Michael left Florida and appeared to be, and appeared under the names of Warren and Sharon Marshall. Y'all, I'm having a hard time speaking today. (laughs) Just, just bear with me. In Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Okay. It was there that Suzanne danced at the Godfather Club and they lived in local apartments.
1: Yeah, I don't think it talks about that on the documentary.
0: It doesn't. It's in the book.
1: So they left
0: Florida. I don't know why okay. at that point. Went to Louisville. Okay. It was just a couple months is why they were in Louisville. Or how long they were in Louisville.
1: But isn't the documentary says that they left because, well, they thought was because of the murder. Correct? Oh, yeah,
0: but they leave it again. They come back to Florida soon. I'm getting ready to tell oh, you Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So you didn't say that either. Yeah. So, they went to... Louisville. Louisville. And Is that when they got married?
0: No. That's much later. That's a whole so year left? later. They just left. I don't know why. Okay. She walked in. She quit Mons Venus. Um, got her last check. And they left. Okay. <laughs> but, on December the 24th, 1988, Suzanne was found in her car alone and unconscious. And this was in Louisville. She had overdosed... She was transported to the Humana University Hospital, where doctors were able to revive her. Suzanne was not cooperative with the doctors, but the doctors did discover that Suzanne was pregnant. however uh, it was she was assumed to be in her first or second month of pregnancy. Suzanne was very distraught and obviously suicidal. Franklin was listed or uh Warren. Was listed as an emergency contact, and the hospital contacted him, where he quickly signed her out of their care, and they quickly moved back to Florida, this time to the Golden Lantern Trailer Park.
1: Do we know who Dad is?
0: Yes, and I have his name written, but it's way okay. down here. Um, Do you think,
1: is that why we think she overdosed?
0: I think she had just got to a point. Okay. Like, I don't know. This is all I know. It's all that's written in the books.
1: I was just curious if... Because she still had Michael. She still had Michael. So I wonder. She was not a regular drug user. That is said multiple times throughout the book, throughout. Well, so I'm saying, it, it was she desperate? Did she. That's why I wondered if we knew who Dad was, because I was curious if it was. No, it was not Franklin's. Okay. It was not Franklin's baby. I
0: want to say, what was his name? It's in here. That's okay. We'll wait till you get to it. Um, it was a weird little last name. Struckle is his last name. Okay. And it's in my notes somewhere around here. Carrie Struckle. Carrie Struckle. <laughs> and you said he signed her out. He signed her out. And they took off back to Florida. Yep. And that that's when they moved into the Golden Lantern, Lantern trailer park that's featured in the documentary. In January 1988 is when they moved back. Okay. So... um I'm sorry. January 1989. Okay. It's when they moved back. And Suzanne went back to Mons to work. And that's where she met Cheryl Ann Camesso. So this next little piece is going to be about Cheryl. Okay. Okay. Cheryl Ann Camesso wanted to be a Hollywood star. That was her goal. She was 19 years old when Suzanne met her. Okay. Um, she believed that dancing and appearing in the beauty contest would be her ticket to becoming famous she arrived at Mons um, once she arrived at Mons she started dating the son of a pimp out of Georgia not good No. she also lived with Heather and a roommate for a while Hmm. in January but by March Cheryl's behavior in the home annoyed her roommates to the point they asked her to leave
1: we don't know what
0: yes I do I just didn't want to put it in here um but I will I'll say it she was naked all the time oh yeah
1: well that would be annoying
0: yeah and so she was asked to leave that's according to the books Uh, okay (laughs) so needing a place to stay she moved in with Suzanne and Franklin
1: Mm, Straight red (laughs) flag
0: yes Cheryl showed interest in Franklin and Franklin showed great amount of interest in Cheryl. I think the reason that Cheryl showed interest in Franklin was because Franklin was telling her all the things like, I have connections and I can get you, you know.
1: I know the documentary talks about, like, I can make you famous. Yeah, stuff and, like, like that. We can submit your videos to Playboy. Like, and I got
0: this. you, I'm going to help you be successful, like that kind of stuff. Okay. Franklin told Cheryl that he had contacts at Playboy, so that was another big thing. And he took pictures and videos of her and some videos of her with Suzanne. Word of the videos and pictures eventually made its way to Heather, Mm -hmm. who told Cheryl that Franklin did not have any contacts and that she should stay away from both him and Suzanne. Cheryl didn't listen and continued to engage with Franklin. Franklin and Cheryl took a trip on his boat the same boat that he would try to file an insurance claim against after sinking it himself later on in the year what yeah on this trip Franklin tried to engage um, in sex with Cheryl okay uh, which she denied now she had had sex with him previously but on this occasion she denied him Franklin became violent, punched her in the mouth, and then tried to choke her.
1: Yeah, he doesn't give off the vibe of rejection well.
0: No. She was able to fight Franklin off, and as he tried to throw a fishing net around her, she jumped out of the boat and swam to shore, which was approximately a quarter of a mile. Jeez. She hitched Icon. Okay? Cheryl was understandably angry and decided to get back at Franklin, the only way she could think of, and that was to turn Suzanne into welfare. Cheryl called and reported that while Suzanne was drawing welfare from Florida, she actually made over $1,500 a week as a nude dancer. Mm. Where welfare reached out to Suzanne, (laughs) Suzanne and informed her that the welfare was suspended pending an investigation into the claim. When Franklin found out, he was furious Yeah. and called Mons to try to find out where Cheryl was, because at this point, Cheryl was no longer living with them. Yeah. Heather answered the phone and denied him the information of where she was.
1: She talks about that.
0: In the documentary. She didn't say
1: why, but.
0: Yeah, because he mad. He was saying a lot of choice words.
1: Well, she's messing with what he's built. And, yeah, he's mad.
0: yeah. Um, but later, the same night of the call, Franklin was parked in his usual spot at the club when Cheryl reported for work. Okay. Franklin grabbed Cheryl and attempted to pull her into the car. However, her screens alerted Heather, who intervened and was able to get the bouncers. Okay. And they were able to get Cheryl away from Franklin. Franklin sped off into the night, but less than a week later, Cheryl would go missing. Mm. Cheryl's remains would be located in March of 1995 near Interstate 275. Her skull was found by a landscape worker who also located a breast implant and notified authorities. She had been missing for six years. Her car had been found later that year at an airport, the Corvette. Interesting. In a long-term parking.
1: Hmm.
0: So it had been there for a while, and authorities finally notified her family that the car had been there. And Gotcha. Yeah. It had been there over a month by the time they found it. Wow. And it was that Corvette.
1: Yeah, that they talk about in the documentary.
0: Right. Later in the investigation against Franklin pictures would be discovered that showed the progression of her being beaten to death and sexually abused. But to be sure he killed her, he also shot her twice in the back of the head before leaving her body next to the interstate.
1: It boggles my mind how long she stayed there.
0: Before she was noticed? Before
1: she was noticed.
0: So in the books, it depicts this area next to the interstate as a high flood area. Okay. And that it's not landscaped a
1: lot so it's just like brush and it's dirt just brush and swamp florida swamp okay so he, that's why and the so older, they were going to clear it out no actually he
0: had to go to the bathroom so he walked away from the group
1: oh wow so she may have never been found had he not
0: I had to pee that day
1: yeah wow I'm curious if he snatched her or if he somehow convinced her to come back
0: I, I see and this is we just don't know yeah we don't we don't know
1: like I am cause I I think he snatched her
0: personally I don't think I think she was done and I think that he stalked her out yeah and snatched her
1: see I feel like couple days passed, and maybe he told her he heard something from Playboy, or, or... it could be either one
0: of those ploys.
1: Something like that. Yeah. To pull her back in. Maybe. I don't know. Because he got her back to the trailer. Because that's where the pictures were. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. But by
0: spring of 1989, it was clear that Suzanne was pregnant again, and the rumors started again at Mons. So So this
1: is the pregnancy we found out about in Louisiana? Or did that pregnancy? Yes. Okay.
0: Heather confronted Suzanne when the two were alone, saying everyone knew that she was pregnant, and everybody thought Franklin was the uh, baby daddy, and that because Franklin was acting as her father, just like a lot of people couldn't take it. Okay. Um, Sharon started to cry to the point she couldn't talk. I'm talking about racking sobs. Heather told her everyone knew that Franklin was messed up and that she needed to leave him. Heather told her that a lot of girls have gone through what she was going through and that she needed to get help and leave. She told her to go to someone, go to the police, just leave. Suzanne told her she couldn't do that and that Heather didn't understand what she was going through. Franklin had done things and she had seen them. That has to be beating Cheryl to death. Right. And that he had friends everywhere, and that he would kill her and Michael, and she couldn't risk Michael.
1: So. I mean, yeah. She's been sexually assaulted by his friends for years. Years. So, yeah. And I'm sure they've traveled a lot, and these friends are everywhere they go. Right. And he makes friends. I just don't understand... I don't know like protection against having babies I don't understand because every time she gets pregnant it's with somebody she's with correct like yes and that's the only thing I can't I don't understand I don't know because I wouldn't want I don't think she wanted to put any of the children into that situation
0: I don't think she did either and I don't know yeah like I have absolutely no idea
1: It's the only thing that I'm like, why?
0: I don't know. It could be a situation where maybe she thought that she could get away. But I don't know. Or if it was just carelessness, I don't know. Yeah. So in May, Franklin and Suzanne left Florida. Suzanne left flowers for her boyfriend and the father of her child. Carrie Struggle. Okay. I told you he was in here somewhere. My, but he, she didn't even leave a note. Mm. She just left two charms. Where was he from? Like, he, did he work at the club? He didn't work at the club, but he was a patron of the club. That's how they okay. went. Michael Cooper, no Michelle Cooper's having a rough day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking wise Michelle Kouples a neighbor went by the trailer which she hung out at a lot this was also Michael's babysitter okay and she was also featured in the documentary and she found it empty so they didn't tell her about either they just bounced they just bounced Uh, a week later she received a call from Franklin asking her to take the mail out of his mailbox and burn it she said no and handed the phone to her mama Who also said no. On June 16th, the trailer was burned to the ground. This is depicted in the documentary Mm -hmm. as well. An investigation into the fire revealed that a combustible liquid was placed over the left front burner of the stove
1: and that it ignited and basically caused an explosion. That's what the babysitter describes in the uh, documentary. Is like it blew up. Yeah. I wonder if in the mailbox was like an ID or something that he had ordered. Maybe I have no idea. Like what? Would, why are we shredding the mail? I have no idea. But he's
0: remember, paranoid.
1: True, but
0: it could have been coupons. <laughs> it could have been. You know, I got yeah. no idea. So at this point, the the fire was labeled an arson yeah number one suspect being franklin franklin so franklin was on the run again but also for insurance fraud where he tried to (laughs) tried to seek his boat and in his mind the murder of cheryl and camisa like he knew yeah um and it was time to change identities again because he was trying to throw Mm
1: -hmm. law enforcement
0: off his trail Franklin stopped in Alabama and took names off gravestones. Franklin became Clarence Hughes. Suzanne became Tanya Tadlock Hughes. And Michael became Michael Anthony Hughes. Franklin and Suzanne got married in New Orleans.
1: And this was the whole thing they talked about in the documentary where they were looking for a a dad, a daughter, daughter daughter and her son. Yeah. But they weren't looking for a husband, wife, and their child. Right. That's so crazy. Yeah.
0: This was an effort to throw law enforcement off his trail completely. Yeah. It was in New Orleans that Suzanne would give birth, and Dean and Mary Dufresne entered the story. Okay. Dean and Mary wanted a baby. They had tried to conceive on their own, but wasn't able to. So they were interested in adoption. Mary received a call from a friend at a local attorney's office stating that a couple had come into the office. The woman was pregnant, and they were looking to place the baby for adoption. A meeting was set up at the attorney's office, and this is when Mary and Dean met Franklin, Suzanne, and Michael, going under Clarence, Tanya, and Michael. Franklin was going by Clarence. No, I did that, sorry. Many, Mary reports... In finding Sharon that Clarence did all the talking at the meeting okay and that Franklin (laughs) had explained that they couldn't afford to raise another child and that they wanted to give the baby up for adoption and Suzanne remained quiet the entire time with her head down playing with Michael Hmm. Franklin wanted $10,000 for the baby. The attorney explained that there were strict rules in Louisiana that only allowed for the payment of living expenses the month before, the month during, and the month after the birth of the baby. Yeah. And and to include um, medical bills. They could pay for medical bills as yeah, well.
1: But we're not in the habit of buying and selling children. <laughs> like, that's what he wanted to do.
0: Right. That's called human trafficking. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mary and Dean agreed to pay $1,000 for the three months and all the medical bills, the total coming to around $7,000. Franklin was not happy, but he agreed. Tanya was due in around nine weeks, but had received no prenatal care up to this point. Mm. A doctor's appointment was made, and Mary met, met Suzanne at the doctor's office. But guess who was there with her?
1: Franklin
0: Franklin. Mary noted that Suzanne did not speak and Franklin did all the talking even at daughter's appointments
1: I mean that's classic abuse
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: he has to control the
0: situation 100% Suzanne gave birth to a baby girl on August the 11th 1989 Mary was called when Suzanne's water broke But she arrived at the hospital shortly after Suzanne had given birth. When she arrived, she found Suzanne alone in her room, which was a rare occasion Mm -hmm. for Suzanne to be alone. Mary asked Suzanne if she had seen the baby, and Suzanne said no, that the nurses and doctors had taken the baby away. Mary asked her if she wanted to see her, and she told her no. Mary told her that if she ever wanted to see the baby, she was welcome to contact her. Suzanne told her she wouldn't. And Mary could tell that Suzanne was deeply sad. Yeah. And it wasn't long until Franklin entered the room and stopped the conversation. Mary would see Suzanne one more time to sign more adoption paperwork and give the final $1,000 payment at the attorney's office a week later. Mary would never see or hear from Suzanne again. Mary and Dean named their daughter Megan, who is in the documentary.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Franklin, Suzanne, and Michael arrived in Tulsa, Oklahoma in September 1989 directly after she gave birth to Megan. Suzanne began to dance at Passions. It was at Passions where Suzanne met Karen Parsley, also known as Connie. Connie and Suzanne would become friends. Suzanne also met Laverna Watkins, who danced as Bambi. And you don't hear about her in the documentary? No, you don't, but she is in the book. She accompanies
1: Connie, Connie's the main one.
0: Yeah, Connie was her buddy.
1: Like she's the one that blew this whole thing wide open. Yeah, Connie
0: was in college at the time and danced three days a week as well as worked at TJ Maxx. Connie and Suzanne related to each other as in that Connie was young and Suzanne was young and neither of them really drank or did drugs. Yeah,
1: they and they said were both they were smart. The babies. Yeah, yeah,
0: they were the babies of the group. Um. Franklin did what Franklin always did and started to make connections in the community that they lived. He was even able to make friends at the Tulsa Sheriff's Office.
1: I mean, I believe it. I, I believe he has that kind of personality.
0: Right. I think from a distance. But once you get too close, you realize something, ain't right?
1: Yeah, but I think he puts on well.
0: Oh, I do too. He's odd,
1: mm-hmm. but think about all the odd people you know. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of odd people. Yeah. <laughs> know I mean agreed Uh -uh. and I think he he does that like he's almost charismatic yeah absolutely and that people are like okay he's just he's a weird dude but he's a nice guy you know and move on it's just when he got into these scenes like Mm -hmm. he got creepier and well yeah yeah skeeve is a
0: good word good word for that so Suzanne started reading again and just seemed more hopeful in general in Tulsa and Franklin continued to keep an iron grip on Suzanne, and especially Michael. He would not let Michael out of his sight. Like, she was not allowed to take Michael anywhere. That's in the book. That's in the documentary.
1: That's his his snatching her, her. His snare in her. Yeah. She wasn't going anywhere without him. No.
0: So, Suzanne was required to make $200 a night at Passions. By Ma- Franklin? Mm-hmm. And she worked every night the club was open. Wow. If she, if she didn't make the $200, she became visibly scared and had panic attacks. To the point where the other dancers would try to give her the difference in the money out of their own money. But Suzanne wouldn't take it. Hmm. It was here that the other dancers started noticing bruises on Suzanne. Everyone knew it was her husband and that he was abusing her, and everyone encouraged her to leave him. It was also noted that Suzanne was not allowed to be alone with her son. I already said that. Suzanne and Connie would have conversations about Suzanne going to college, which would make her light up. Yeah. It wasn't long, and Suzanne met a college student named Kevin. Kevin. Kevin was smitten with Suzanne and Suzanne was getting up the courage to run from Franklin and leave and take Michael like her and Kevin had started planning this okay unknown to Suzanne Franklin was able to deduce what was going on okay and around February 1990 he took out a $80,000 life and policy on Suzanne Wow. Suzanne knew about the policy, and she was scared, and she told Connie. In March of 1990, Franklin sold his red truck to a friend and bought a blue Buick. In April
1: 1990,
0: Franklin, Suzanne, and Michael took an unexpected trip to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. This is the only day off Suzanne had ever taken from the club since she got there. Franklin, Suzanne, and Michael were staying at a Motel 6 near Interstate 35 in Oklahoma City. It was here that Suzanne was sent to the store on foot around midnight in late April to get some food from the gas station less than a mile away from Motel 6. Suzanne went into the store and purchased some beverages and some snacks. She stopped to make a call from the payphone before she headed back toward the Motel 6. Suzanne would never make it back to the hotel. Delbert Ray Collins and two companions had just exited Interstate 35 and were driving on a poorly lit side road heading to the Motel 6. When Sean Peters, along with Roy Kippel, saw an object laying in the road, it was dark and hard to make out, but they were, a- but they were able to determine that it was a blue high heel shoe. Mm. Delbert continued to drive when he suddenly called out that he thought he saw a body. He slowed his driving and saw what appeared to be a young blonde woman laying face down on the side of the road, shaking uncontrollably. Ray,
1: huh? I'm sorry. The thing that sticks out to me is he. She had to walk that. Oh, you said it was less than a mile.
0: Yeah, I think but still,
1: she had to walk it in heels. <laughs> right. Like,
0: ugh. Yeah, so let's talk about this. Why would you walk it when you had a car?
1: Because he wouldn't let her have the car. Because if she took the car, she might leave.
0: Yeah, but he could have driven her. Why let her go by herself? I'm setting this up. You're going to see.
1: Go ahead, because I have theories. Okay.
0: Where was I? Da, da, da,
1: da. He saw the woman shaking uncontrollably.
0: Okay. Ray floored the truck and ran into the Motel 6 um, lobby, yelling for someone to call 911 that someone was on the side of the road and needed help. The call came into the Oklahoma City Police Department around 1 o'clock a.m. And by the time they arrived, EMS had already arrived and taken the victim, who was still alive but unconscious, to Presbyterian Hospital. When law enforcement arrived on scene, they noticed that where the woman was found, there were the following items. A loaf of bread, two containers of milk, a package of cookies, and two bottles of Dr. Pepper. A broken radio antenna, a windshield wiper, and flecks of red paint. Mm -hmm. Also found was a pair of headphones and a portable radio. On the road, there were skid marks 40 feet before and after the area identified to be the point of impact, and they were able to identify that point of impact by a shoe scuff. Okay. Police interviewed employees at the gas station who confirmed that the woman had been in around 1230 a.m. that morning buying the items that were found, and the police also interviewed patrons and employees at a restaurant that was around 50 feet away. Wow no one reported seeing or hearing anything now granted it is one o'clock in the morning
1: I mean or I midnight yeah
0: I, I. it sounds like kind of like a waffle house
1: yeah.
0: restaurant to me that's it, open 24 hours
1: I'm not surprised nobody heard anything, honestly. Right. Because if she struck from the back, she's not really going to make a whole lot of noise anyway. It's not like she was, you know...
0: And that's what they think, unless she was hit from behind when she was walking back toward the... Right.
1: Yeah. So, not completely out of the realm. Yeah. So, this was believed to be a hit and run. So, theories. Well, my question is for that, because it doesn't talk about it in the documentary. Did they ever figure out who he sold his car to and go and talk to them? I don't know. They
0: identified that he sold it to a friend, but that's all it's ever listed as is a friend.
1: Because I'm curious as to where what the truck was. What investigation went into that? Like, how did we rule out Franklin didn't have a hand in it?
0: Oh, I don't think that it was ever investigated into a, in a complete fashion.
1: Okay, because I'm, I'm curious. And then the second thing is... I feel like it's Franklin, but then part of me is like, when you, when you put it together and you say it's the first day that she's taken off in the whole time, that she had to make this $200 and all this, then he took out the life insurance. It's like too convenient to not be Franklin. Right. And then he sold the truck a month before. Right. He planned it. Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. 100%. And that's not what I believe. He planned it. Yeah. I don't think he actually hit her with the car. I either. I think he got his buddy to do it.
1: I agree. But I still don't know
0: why. Oh, I do, because she was getting ready to leave. She, he knew that he wasn't going to be okay. First of all, she aged out for him. True. Okay, so she she was twenty, so she's aged out. Second of all, she was becoming. She was becoming more unruly. I think Mm. you see what I'm saying because she was getting beaten more. So I think she was getting more unruly and harder for him to control. And then he found out that she was plotting to leave. So he took her out. He took her out. I mean, anybody will tell you any kind of domestic violence situation, that point that you are in the most danger is when you're trying to leave.
1: Yeah. I just heard that the other day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's one of those situations. And
1: I, that makes sense. I mean, she's planning to leave. That's his mill ticket. She'd already said, already told Jenny that, um, he quit painting. So, like, she was the salt. She was the breadwinner. Yeah. So, yeah. He took out the money, and he knew if he killed her
0: or I mean, she I, died. Yeah. I don't know how much money that she was making, but 1990 $80,000 was a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It ain't nothing now. And 200 bucks a day living in a hotel. I don't think that. They were living in a trailer in Tulsa. Okay. They had well, just then, went
0: to this hotel.
1: See, that's weird to me, too.
0: So, 106 miles away.
1: For what? So, he could have been killed.
0: He's told the police that it was for a gynecologist appointment. But no appointment. Right. But no appointment. See,
1: that's what I'm saying. What's the investigation? Oh, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I would love to do a FOIA and pull it. But then I'm scared. Because, like, I don't want to know how bad it is. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't even know if they would still have it on record. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, cause it's been what, 1990? 33 years ago? A long time. That hurts my soul. How old am I? Um, so. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I think the only reason they were on this trip is, I think that's closer to where the buddy was. And he got her away from all her friends and didn't tell anybody they were leaving. And I'm
1: curious, is it like a desolate road where it's like not a whole lot and then cars come by and then not a whole lot? Yeah, from what I can understand. So like there is that one gas station, but then it's just nothing until you get to the restaurant and then it's nothing until you get to the hotel. That's the way it made it sound in the book. So it's like a perfect stretch
0: Mm-hmm.
1: to just hit her keep going nobody know but it's like a front you've and got, tread yeah but you've got a hit and run he hit her hard enough to knock off the the. you said there was a mirror there oh, was a windshield, windshield wiper. wiper and a tana. so I mean that's and she is petite but I think you still put some damage on that truck or car or whatever oh he got a dodge and like, he's gone But I'm saying nobody saw, like, a don't know. But who's looking? Well, law enforcement's supposed to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but when? Let's say this kid lived, let's say this guy lived near. I mean, he
1: could have been gone, you're right.
0: In another state. Yeah. He probably was from another state. I didn't look to see what was close to Oklahoma City, like, as far as state-wise. But he probably lived in another state.
1: And that was probably,
0: yep, he probably had an alibi. You're probably true. These are professional criminals.
1: Yeah. Mm. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. All right.
0: So, Franklin was notified the following morning by staff at the Motel 6 that the the woman he had accompanied him was in an accident the previous night. So, Franklin called the police, who arrived at his hotel room. Okay, they came to him. Mm -hmm. Franklin reported to law enforcement that Tanya, his wife, Suzanne, was a stripper at Passions in Tulsa and often liked to meet men. And so that's why he wasn't concerned when she didn't come home. Okay. Franklin reported to the hospital where Suzanne was in serious but stable condition at that point. She had a massive head injury. And she was bruised on the back of her legs and her back, like at points of impact. Yeah. And the doctors also noted something else. Suzanne had various bruises in various stages of healing. Yeah. So when Franklin arrived at the hospital, the doctors told him about his wife's grave condition. And he just acted odd and immediately put a no visitor sign on the door. Yeah. Yeah. And the nurses and the hospital staff said that Franklin seemed to be completely unaffected by Suzanne's State. He's like, "Mm, okay.
1: And see, that's another thing. Like, nobody put any kind of anything in place. Like, I, I feel like if it was nowadays and you've got a wife that came through, all right, she's got various stages of bruising, all right, you've got her where... She's healing, but she's been in this accident. You don't know. They're saying it's a hit or run. They don't know what it is. He comes in acting weird. It seems like the hospital would be like no visitors, like they themselves, including Franklin. Like, no, you're done. Like, I
0: don't know what the protocol is now. I, I really just don't. feel like
1: somebody would have to be like, this isn't adding up. Something's up. And maybe we just need her to be by herself. If she comes back awake, then we can talk to her before we let.
0: Anybody come visit. Yeah. yeah. Or it's
1: like supervised. Let him in, but the nurse stays in there or something.
0: Or it stays around. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I really don't. It's just so odd. So Franklin called Passions and spoke with Connie, not really to inform her so much that Suzanne had been in this accident, but told her that she he needed to get Suzanne's last paycheck.
1: Why? You just needed it?
0: I, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, He did tell her that Suzanne was in an accident, but there was absolutely no visitors allowed. Okay. Connie was upset and immediately suspected Franklin of being involved.
1: Yeah, she had just told her he took out the life insurance.
0: Yeah, a month prior, Mm -hmm. two months prior. Connie, along with Suzanne's boyfriend, Kevin, traveled the 106 miles from Tulsa to Oklahoma City. When Connie and Kevin arrived at the hospital, Franklin was not there. The nurses told Connie of their um, suspicions about her being abused. And Connie told the nurses of her suspicions as well. Of the abuse? Um, Of the abuse that Franklin had something to do with her hit and run, like all of it. Suzanne would slightly react to Connie and Kevin's voices by smiling or squeezing their hands, which the nurses were were really excited about. Yeah. Um, The nurses and doctors thought that Connie and Kevin's visits were good for Suzanne, but they only knew her as Tanya. And I wanted to remind everybody that she was going by Tanya Hughes at this point. This is who everybody thought she was. Yeah. Um, Connie and Kevin would stay for a few days and come to visit whenever the hospital staff would call them and tell them that Franklin had left.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, nursing staff also told Connie that they were concerned about Michael. Um, cause when he would come into the hospital with Franklin, he was always dirty and he smelled bad and seemed to be stunted emotionally. Like he like
1: wouldn't no cry. Like Just,
0: just kind of blunted mm-hmm. um and franklin continued to show odd behavior, odd behavior about his wife to the doctors and nurses
1: yeah he just
0: care. didn't care yeah it was almost
1: kind of like can we just hurry this up yeah um, well i don't think he anticipated her being in the hospital i think he thought it would be a dead on the side of the road yeah and done not any kind of stay So he's almost like mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind
0: of hostile is Mm -hmm. what I picture. I could be wrong, but just annoyed. Annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the doctors told Connie and Kevin that based on what they were seeing through her progress that they thought she would pull through. Yeah. Um, this thrilled Connie. And after hearing this, she felt a little relieved Connie and Kevin decided to head back to Tulsa. When Connie arrived back in Tulsa, she received a call from Franklin stating that she, he wanted to sell the furniture that they had in the trailer in Tulsa because he was moving. Connie asked Franklin why he was moving and what about Tanya, and Franklin tried to deflect the questions and told her that he and Michael would be moving on.
1: You said that they had a trailer in Tulsa?
0: Yes where she was dancing and had passions. Oh. See, Oklahoma City is 106 miles away. That's what I got
1: confused on. So she was hit in Oklahoma City, but they lived in Tulsa. Gotcha, gotcha, I'm with you. After
0: getting this phone call, Connie called the hospital to tell them something was up and not to allow Franklin to visit with Suzanne alone. It is unknown if the hospital staff took this advice. However, Franklin visited with Suzanne once more and then the next morning she died.
1: And see, that's interesting. I know the documentary, the the doctor talks about a falling away or fading away or something like that, how yeah. she was doing well. Yeah. And then she just plummeted, mm-hmm. which I know. I mean, that can happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know. I'm yeah. with you. Um And especially this, because when hospital staff called Franklin to tell him that Suzanne had taken a turn for the worse, he said he wasn't coming back to the hospital, and that he wanted to donate her organs and have her cremated. Jeez. He's not coming back. So, the hospital also called called Connie, and she tried to get to the hospital before She she passed away. Unfortunately, she was unable to do so. So... And when Connie found out that Franklin didn't want to have a funeral, she was even more upset. So Connie approached J.R., the owner of Passions, mm-hmm. and he offered to pay for the funeral. And Franklin wasn't happy about it, but he consented.
1: where I mean he's gone so how does he have to consent to anything cause he ain't gonna get her he took off right
0: yeah but he's still technically next of kin based on what they know okay that's his husband that's her husband legally with the paperwork yeah that they have okay so yeah So, Coffee Breakers, this is the end of Suzanne's actual story. Yeah. And in our next episode, I'm going to pick up with her funeral and tell her son, Michael's story and the investigation that revealed who Suzanne Sevekas actually was and how they got there.
1: I mean, it's because of Connie. I, honestly.
0: <laughs> I mean, we can go ahead and go into that.
1: Well, just it's because of Connie. Even from the documentary, yeah, Connie was the best friend she ever had. Yeah. Because she's the one that was like, mm, that's not okay. Let's do this. That's not okay. Let's do this. Like, uh, your kid is not okay with this man. I'm going to call that in. Even though hospital staff saw it, doctors saw it. Yeah. Like, Connie was in... the only one who actually followed through with any kind of anything.
0: Right. So go ahead and I'll touch on all all this, but tell you what happens from here. She was not in fact cremated. She was buried. Okay. Um, her, her organs were donated and the book actually lists out where all her organs went. And I would like to not their names, but just like how many people her organs went to, how many lives she saved. Um, and, it goes into Connie wanting to inform Tanya's family.
1: Yeah, because that's what the documentary talks on.
0: Of her... Passing. Of her, her passing. So the the paperwork that they had at the club says she was from Alabama. So she gets out the phone book, if yeah. y'all can remember what a phone book is. and Like, looks, she did
1: all the digging. She
0: did all the digging, looks up... Um, Tadlock, because that was her maiden name, mm-hmm. or what was going by her maiden name, uh, Tanya Tadlock, and calls this family. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they find out that Tanya Tadlock had actually died as a baby
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's not even her. Not even her. And so on the headstone, they actually just have Tanya. Put on the hand stone because they don't know who they don't know her last name, they don't know who she is.
1: And he's gone. Not that he would have told him anyway. Well he attends the funeral. Does he? Yeah. With sheriff's deputies. Why? I don't know. To be crazy. Like he brought officers? As open? his
0: protection. <laughs> From what? Them? I don't know. Paranoid? Yeah, but... Can you imagine the stories that he told those deputies? Like, they're going to shoot me if I show up. So confused. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like, why do you need deputies?
0: Right. Well, I don't know what was going on in his paranoid thoughts. Like...
1: Was Michael already taken? He
0: gave Michael up, okay? And apparently, in the 90s, you could just give your kids to, like, DSS... For okay. a short period of time, if you had an issue, you could just, like, put him in temporary foster care. Okay. So, he
1: did. He, he called. While he was doing all this with Tanya? Yeah. Like, well, actually, burying her and stuff? Yeah. So, like, the day she died,
0: he called social services and told social services that he wanted to place Michael into their custody for a week while he deals with his wife's death. Wow. And And you could do that. Apparently. Okay. So, they took him. But while Michael was in their custody is when Connie calls in the report. Gotcha. So, that's why he stayed. If Connie hadn't called that report. He would have went right back. He would have went right back to him. Yes. Mm. So. Now we get into some real confusing stuff, too. Not that this wasn't. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Well, her best friend's Connie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because she's the one that did the most. She did. She's the one that broke this. She broke this cause she's because she's the one that found out that Tanya wasn't her actual identity. Right, she's the one that like, called in. Okay, it's Tanya, whatever, and married. No, we would never, ever know the story. I agree with you 100%. Because who would have got it out? Who would have known? No. Nobody would have. I mean... Up until maybe he kidnapped Michael. Michael wouldn't have been kidnapped. Michael would have still been with him. Oh. There would have been no story. He oh, you're never... right. If she
0: hadn't have called it in. Mm-hmm. If she hadn't have called in a report to DHS or, or DSS or whatever it's called. Whatever there. It is in their
1: area. But they, there would have been no... Nothing. Wow. I mean, Michael... We don't know what happened to Michael, but Michael could have been killed right after that just because he needed him free. I mean.
0: Or he could have sold him or. Right.
1: There's no telling. But we would have never, ever. Or he could have tried anything about Suzanne, about Michael, about any of it had Connie not done what she did. Right. And I think it does talk about the other people in the club helping her, but it was it was her baby. Like it was her thing. Yeah. Make sure her friend was properly laid to rest and. Right. All that. Yeah. Well, JR paid for the funeral. Like, JR yeah. was there. He yeah. helped. He actually helped her go through the phone book. Yeah. Like, JR. It talked about, it didn't give it a name, <laughs> but it said that everybody at the club was like invested in making sure her family knew. Yeah. And that she, she was, was given a proper burial
0: proper, with the yeah. proper funeral. Like, they loved her.
1: Yeah. And again, it speaks to
0: her character. Wherever she went, they loved her. loved her except for maybe mons yeah I think it's just yeah I have my theories for that too (laughs) okay so let's take care of business before we go okay Um, if you like us
1: like share subscribe
0: follow (laughs) whatever it's called actually the number one way that you guys can support us right now is to tell a friend to tell a friend or share us on your socials. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Number one way you can help. No money required. Just share us on your socials. Yeah. Tell them to go check it out. Tell them to go check it out. Absolutely. Um You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on the Twitter. And YouTube. Oh, and the YouTube now. Guess what? We have a YouTube channel. Thanks. And my best... Okay, I don't know if y'all listen to Bro Science. Um, He is a... He has a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to do my best impression of him so oh man I ain't gonna be able to do it now since <laughs> so I'm thinking about it but he has this like really thick jersey put on jersey accent yeah so it's like please subscribe to my YouTube channel <laughs> like yes please subscribe to our YouTube <laughs> channel okay <laughs> so just so you know every time I hear please subscribe to the YouTube, YouTube channel it doesn't matter I hear it in his voice
1: he would probably be happy to
0: know that he he would yes, he probably would be happy <laughs> to know that, so bro science, and the only reason that I have ever seen bro science is because my s o
1: okay
0: um' it's funny, he does funny gym videos like uh, okay, like he to look it up he's funny, but maybe not p c yeah, okay, Sad. <laughs> okay. so, good to know, yes. So, this is going to wrap up Suzanne, guys. I'm so sorry that it's taking me so long to tell the story because we're going to be covering Girl in the Picture stuff for a straight six weeks. Like with the documentary and all the I think parts. think it's just because there's so
1: much. And the books clarify so much. And like we're getting into the part, the next, I think their next two maybe are the ones that I feel like the documentary just left out. Yeah. Like Huge all sections. That is just left out. And to me, just the little bit that i know is pertinent like yeah it doesn't make sense when you're watching the documentary like the stuff you were telling me i'm like no it wasn't it wasn't like that but clearly it was totally different i don't want to spoil anything but right it there was a lot going on that was not covered the documentary with the, the cliff notes cliff notes yeah
0: and this is the deep dive but it's actually not the deepest dive if you guys right. want the deepest dive by the books and they're yeah. available on Amazon A Beautiful Child and Finding find and, and by Matthew Burbeck because he gives you every details. now I will tell you why you're reading the book it's a little confusing because it jumps around yeah. you'll be reading about something that happened in 1990 and then popped back to 1983 and then back to 87 that's why it's so hard for me to to yeah. put in all this into a con- conce- cohesive cohesive thing. thank you I'm really having trouble <laughs> um story yeah. because it is so jumpy 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 but I
1: <laughs> I think you did a good job. Well, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I, I, and I didn't leave out any huge details. There's minor details yeah. that I left out that I didn't think was pertinent. Yeah. But, again, the books are there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we're going to pick up with Michael because Suzanne's story, Cheryl's story, and Michael's story deserves to be told. Mm-hmm. So, the doc- my issue with the documentary is it centers around Franklin and all the crazy crap he did. Yeah. Instead of the actual victims. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell the story without putting...
1: Putting them in, yeah.
0: Put, well, you know, putting some kind of emphasis on the perpetrator.
1: Yeah. But... Well, I'll, we don't know what happened. We, truthfully, we don't definitively know if he killed Sharon. We Suzanne. don't, Suzanne. We don't definitively know if he killed Michael. No. The only one we definitively know he murdered was Cheryl. Right. So I wish it gave more coverage on like what happened after she was hit. Right. As far as the
0: police investigation, like, what knows, did you do? Like, yeah, I have no idea. Did that
1: go cold? Like, did you find somebody? Like, did you know? Like, who
0: did you interview? I know you interviewed the people at the mini mart or the whatever gas station. Yeah. And I know you interviewed the people at the restaurant
1: yeah but what else did you do like that that's where i go like what else did you do to try to i feel like there's so many red flags like he was really weird and standoffish didn't care immediately put the no visitor sign like was any of that communicated to, to the law officers i don't know like because to me they'd be like why
0: well immediately he calls the police and be like hey y'all she was a prostitute
1: right so i think that was a part of his ploy like they don't Like, he's trying to make it out like he met up with somebody... She met up with somebody and was trying to get away, maybe, and they hit her. I don't know. He was trying to deflect, but he was also trying to
0: smudge her character. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because let's be real. I'm not saying anything about law enforcement or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not. I don't mean anything wrong, but... Are you going to put all your resources into investigating a, a prostitute hit and run? I mean, you should. You should, but in reality... I'd like to
1: think yes. And I'm going to tell you in reality, nah. Because I'd like to think that everything is treated, it should be the same. A it A crime should be. is a crime. It doesn't matter who the victim is. Like, I agree with you 100%. In the ideal world, exactly how it should be
0: and how it goes. Wow. And, and it sure didn't go that way in the 90s.
1: <laughs> my thing is, too, it, when you talked about it in here, you said that she, that the staff of the hotel told him she got hit and instead of being like oh you know let me go to the hospital awesome. let me call law enforcement first to tell them that she's a prostitute and she meets up with men sometimes and then i go what does that what purpose does that serve to deflect yeah but they're going to come interview you anyway you would think so you could have even said when they came to interview you like i wasn't really surprised to me that would be less suspicious and versus you calling me and no, being like oh you know i'm like oh really you know yeah i'd You meet me at the hospital and be like, I I didn't know. Sometimes she does it. She comes home later. I didn't know until this morning. Like, to me, that's more believable than calling them and be like, she's a prostitute. I got to go to the hospital now. Right. Like, it just doesn't fit. It's fishy. Yes. And they're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Have a good day. Thanks. Take the little child and you're perfectly fine. No. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah.
0: As you can see, we have issues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) all right coffee breakers well we love you and we will catch you on free for all friday
1: good night (laughs) bye